2: Ready to another episode here of Setting the Pace. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving weekend, and we are here to recap the game on Friday night and the game tonight. We're going to start with the bad here, Fauci, and talk about this Clippers loss for the Pacers loss, 114-100. to The score seemed closer than it was. It was no Paul George, no Kawhi Leonard, no problem for the Clippers as Zubac dominated this game, 31 points, 29 rebounds, almost had a 30-and-30 game, Fauci. This was just not the Pacers night.
1: It really wasn't. I felt like the Pacers were getting clowned towards the end because everybody in the building wanted the 30-30 performance right over there. And I mean, Zubox, it it took him fouling out in order for him to not get it because he was going for it. The Clippers wanted him to get it. And this is just, Alex, it's got to be the worst performance we've seen from the Pacers on the year, right? Offensively, for a fact, it is. I know the 114 on paper might not look that bad because they've given up a lot more, but offensively this team, I don't know who got off the plane, you know, for this game, but it was not the Indiana Pacers.
2: I mean, they were trailing by two points heading into the, into the half
1: mm-hmm. and then they
2: come out and put up 12 points in the third quarter, just mm-hmm. awful shooting from, from the field in this game. Fodgy, they had no answer for Zubac, Like we said, I, I thought Terrence Mann had a really nice game for the Clippers as well. Uh, picked his spots, but yeah, I mean, overall, it's just like nobody really got going. Matherin didn't really get it going off the bench. Buddy Heald was dreadful from the three-point line. It was like Jalen Smith had 19 points in the first half. You really think he's going to break out of this shooting slump and and become, you know, getting some confidence back, and then all of a sudden uh, he only has four points and three re- rebounds in the second half. Uh, it felt like I told you off-air a little bit similar to what he did against the 76ers earlier this season where he had a monster first half, like 16 points. And and you're thinking, oh man, Jalen Smith's really going to you know, be free or, or whatever you want to call it. He's breaking out. And, and all of a sudden, he just kind of reverts back to his role and didn't play as well. Miles didn't have a good game. Tyrese had an okay game. It, it was really just a pathetic performance from this Pacers team. But they've been playing so good, you knew that it was going to eventually happen where they just had a bad night.
1: No, I knew it was eventually going to happen. And a, a couple of things I want to touch on that you mentioned. You know, I was surprised that the 19 points that Jalen Smith had at halftime matched a career high mm-hmm. as good as he was last year for the Pacers. I was stunned that was a career high because there was many times where he had 17 points. I believe he had 19 or was you know 18. He had a bunch of those games. Like you mentioned, finishes with 23, a new career high, but kind of really disappeared in the second half when he was the major positive in the first half. Overall, you know, Tyrese Halberton, if you want to find a positive and you got to search deep for it, he once again did not commit a turnover. 11 assists to zero turnovers. I believe that takes uh, the last two games now. 26 assists to zero turnovers. Awesome. But at the same point, this is a team sport, not an individual sport. So that was basically the only positive I could find. Across the board, a game that you really want to forget. I mean, Zubox out there looking like uh, Wilt, Jack, wh- wh- I, whatever historic. Heaven love. I mean, hey, if you want to talk 30-30, then yeah, pretty much. But the Pacers out-rebounded by, I think it was 23 rebounds in this game.
2: Yeah, 62-39, I mean- to Fudge. <laughs>
1: It's ne- you're never going to win a game when you're you're crushed on the boards like that. You know you forget that the Pacers were able to force eighteen turnovers, but it means nothing when you can't hit a basket yourself. Only two threes made for the Pacers in the whole second half. A team that lives and dies by the three cannot finish the game shooting twenty one point four percent from three. It's just not going to cut it.
2: No, you're right about that. And then you also have to look at the points in the paint here, Fauci. 66 points in the paint for the Clippers, just 48 for the Pacers. So
1: mm.
2: when you're not hitting from deep and you and you can't score on the inside, that's what's going to happen. And, I mean, that's just – the Pacers really don't have, like, a dominant low post score like a yeah. Zubach or someone like that, right? But just their inability to hit from outside made them easier to guard – One thing I I think a lot of people brought up on Twitter, but I don't know, people, it felt like Twitter was a little bit quiet tonight, Uh, probably because it's the middle of a Sunday afternoon on a Sunday and a lot of football going on, people watching that. But one thing I thought that was really smart by Ty Lue was putting a wing defender on Miles Turner and putting Zubach on Jalen Smith. Now, to Jalen Smith's credit, he was hot early on, but eventually the law of averages played out and Jalen Smith went cold a little bit after that. So, you know, I think you're going to see teams use that blueprint a little bit more. I, I talked about this qu- briefly on Twitter uh, 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 after the Nets game or during the Nets game. I thought they might put Nick Claxton on on Jalen Smith a little bit. Maybe go Ben Simmons on Miles Turner just because Turner's been so good at, you know, stretching the defense out with his three-point shooting and be able, being able to take care of uh, or take advantage of, you know, matchups uh, against smaller defenders in the paint. When you when Jalen Smith has not really shown that he's like this great low-post threat, they don't use him like that. We've talked about it before. I brought it up a couple episodes ago. They they kind of have put him in that Miles Turner role when yep. Sabonis was here, right? So if you put a defender on him that doesn't really have to worry about him, especially a guy like Zubac that is not going to go out there and play on the perimeter, you're you're saying, okay, we don't think that Jalen Smith can beat us. We're going to try to take Miles out of this game by putting whoever they put on him, I forget at that point. But that was a very smart move, I think, by the Clippers, and I I think it disrupted the Pacers a little bit.
1: No, it did. It did. Just really unfortunate. Look, as good as Turner has been, and he has been great this year, this is a game that he got in foul trouble early and just never really established himself. I mean, look at this. Turner, nine shots in the game. Six of them came from three, so just one of six. When you talk about needing kind of a low post presence, we needed more of an aggressive Miles in this game. And unfortunately, this is more of the aggressive in terms of getting in foul trouble early. So this is a game that finished with four fouls, three turnovers. The rare zero block performance for Miles only gets to play 20 minutes. So that that was frustrating because it just felt like the Clippers, and in specific, Zubox was just feasting on the Pacers, and there was nothing they could do about it. But just cold shooting performance overall. I mean, Buddy Heal, the guy who, obviously, when he's hot, things are going differently. One of nine from three, that was a big difference. Three of 14 overall for Buddy Neesmith, One of seven. I mean, you can't have two guys in the starting lineup combined to go four of 21 and think that you're going to have some luck. So, oh, <laughs> man, I mean, and even Matherin, it, it hurts me to say it because he was massive in that fourth quarter against the Nets with 16 points. Mathurin we'll talk just, about
2: that. Just
1: Yeah, we will. Just two points in the second half for Matherman in this game. It really felt like I barely even remember seeing him out there in the second half today. It was that kind of game. Just a performance that you want to forget ASAP.
2: Yeah, this um, this game from Matherin, I mean, he was 4 of 11, so not great, but we've seen this from him before. Uh, get off to a cold start and, and then kind of – change it up, or he'll get off to a really hot start and then kind of have a little bit of a quiet second half once the team adjusts defensively, or I don't know, it just feels like he's not getting the ball consistently enough with that second unit, where he has the opportunity to drive, and kind of be like, okay, put the ball in his hands and let him go to work, like, he had a a chance there at the end of the third quarter in this game to to try to, like, maybe take someone off the dribble, or, or shoot a step back three, and, you know, he made the right move, because the defense was sagging off, and McConnell was wide open, but you oh. know, this McConnell shot takes 10 seconds to release. So defense defenses can get right back on there and cover that. So that's not the guy you really want out there to run this play with, but he made the right basketball move. But at the same time, I just feel like Mather when he's aggressive and looking for a shot, like you said, with Turner, this is what makes him better. And I think, With the Clippers, we know they're a very wing-heavy team. Mm -hmm. They've got bigger defenders. I'm sure that did bother him a little bit. They're quicker. They're longer. So it's going to be more difficult to maybe get foul calls and stuff like that. But, you know, you you brought up a great point about Miles. Just, you know, didn't look as aggressive. And and we've seen him put the ball on the floor a little bit more this year as well. And I think a lot of that's come down to most teams are putting centers on him. Go back and watch that Timberwolves game when Miles went off. Go Bear was on him. Primarily, there was a couple times when Towns was on him, but mostly it was Gobert. Well, Gobert doesn't come above the free throw line half the time, so mm-hmm. Miles was getting all these open looks, which is what you want to do: spread the floor out. You know, the, the Timberwolves still won the game; they were worried about protecting the paint, but Miles was making them pay from deep because they weren't stepping out and and, and guarding him. And you got to give Miles credit; he was seven and nine from three that game; he was fantastic. But you know, when when teams see that Jalen Smith Miles Turner combo out there moving forward you know, and they've got a center maybe that's not going to be able to go on the perimeter and guard Miles uh, because of his ability to get past him, don't be surprised if you start seeing bigger guards uh, or bigger wings go against him. So, like, we got the Lakers. I'll be interested to see how they guard him. The Kings will be a very interesting matchup because I could see the Kings putting Sabonis on Jalen Smith and maybe putting Harrison Barnes or or Keegan Murray on Miles Turner just to kind of, like, make sure that miles doesn't get going from deep and stuff like that. So I'm just really fascinated to see how teams continue to, to defend the Pacers moving forward. But yeah, once again, we, we didn't get off to a slow start for the first time and I don't know how yeah. long. And it felt like uh, when, when you see the Pacers have a good first quarter, it's almost like, uh Oh, what's going to happen bad in the second half.
1: No, you're right. And right over there, I mean, even though the, the Clippers scored 35 in the first, the Pacers hung in there with them. They had 29 points. And for a while they were rotating leads. It, it felt like, this was a game where the Pacers. I think they led by as many as eight at one point, or six. They were they were definitely in it. It looked like they could take this. We already talked about the guys that that the Clippers were without. So, not to say I expected a win, but if we won, I would not have been surprised. And you, you touched on it before about that third quarter. The Pacers came out flat. I have the numbers in front of us, Alex. They were four of twenty-two from the field in the mm. third quarter. It, that right over there, it swung the whole game. You can't score tw- twelve points in a quarter and expect to win. Crazy thing, Pacers only gave up twenty three in that quarter. So it's like defensively, they didn't do a bad job, but offensively, I mean, they were they didn't look like an NBA team in that quarter. So that 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 was really rough. And this this we knew this stretch was going to be a rough one. I mean this. Seven-game West Coast road trip is something that the second the schedule came out, we said this could be the make or break on the season where we learn a lot about this team. So far, the first game, losing to you know depleted uh, Clippers team, not a great sign. You talked about the Lakers. The Lakers are actually playing some good basketball right now, or they're at least playing winning basketball right now. I want to say they've won five of six or five yeah, of seven. Five of their last I mean, six. Either way, they're starting to turn it around. So five of the last six, I mean, for a Lakers team that looked atrocious in the beginning of the year is now starting to starting to shape up a bit. So yeah. we, we got our work cut out for us. I mean, overall, I, I'm hearing Andrew Nemhard is getting closer to coming back. You know, Chris Duarte is still a bit away, but and it's not that Nemhard's going to solve everything. But Alex, I miss him.
2: The starting lineup misses him. <laughs> That's for so. sure. Um, can I just can I just talk about Aaron Neesmith for a minute? Because Let's do it. you know I've been teasing you about not being a big believer in him and not yeah. being a big fan. And I'm like, just give him some time. Just give him some time. Well, we're 19 games into the season now, Flatchy. We're 11 and eight, and we know Neesmith was injured for a little bit at the beginning of November. So I've pulled up his games in November this month, Flatchy. So he's played the last nine games of this month. It's not been good, okay? Field goal percentage for Aaron Nesmith this month, 29.1% from the field. On He's 1.8. Uh, field goals made 1.8. Field goals attempted 6.1. Now, this is where it's not very good. <laughs> three-point percentage, okay? He's known for being a three-point shooter. He is just shooting
1: 30.6%
2: for the last nine games, okay? If you take out the game he had against the magic where he went five of eight and it was like an anomaly to what he usually does. He's shooting 21% from three. Oh my god! So he's just flat out terrible from three. And I feel like, and this is just my opinion with the shooting slump that Jalen Smith has been in. And with the shooting slump that Aaron Neesmith has been in this starting five to me, maybe they're getting off the slow starts because they have the wrong pieces in the starting five. Carlisle kind of hinted at that. After the game against the Nets, when they got off to another slow start, said maybe they make some changes to the starting lineup. He'll have to look at that. I didn't expect him to make any sudden changes because they've been playing good basketball. Andrew Nimhart coming back adds that secondary playmaker that I think has been really good for this team. Without him, you know, Nisma's not a playmaker. Jalen's really not a playmaker. Buddy's really not, neither is Miles. So, you know, you've got a decent group, but, like, that's that and nobody really that can drive to the basket and create their own shots. Like that's what Matherin does. They're going to keep him on the bench. I'm not even saying that, but like when Nimhard comes back, that's something I'd look at uh, when he comes, you know, putting him back in the starting lineup. But for now, if he's not going to be back, I would be interested to see what O'Shea Bursette looks like in that starting lineup over Aaron Neesmith, just because he's been playing better to, you know, better to me in terms of shooting. I think defensively, he's been Okay. I, I think Neesmith's defense has been pretty solid the whole season. There's been moments where I've loved it, and there's moments where I've hated it. But I just feel like Neesmith he's not been playing that great. I would prefer to to see someone that's been like playing incredible, like O'Shea, this month, and, and let him start with Buddy, with Tyrese, with Jalen, and with Miles, just to kind of see what he could do. Because I am not uh, not feeling what I'm what I'm seeing from Aaron Neesmith so far.
1: Alex, I do not want to be a hater. I've waited. I've waited. I wanted him to succeed. But it's just, as an NBA starter in this league, I don't know about that for Aaron E. Smith. I, I feel like there's there's nothing wrong with having him off the bench in the rotation. I feel like, like you talked about, his defense, pretty solid at, at times, could hit the three. But as an NBA starter, I don't think so. And at least not for now. Nemhard fit. That starting five, I feel like he didn't disrupt anything. He could get others going. I even thought he was taking some strides defensively, taking on some big matchups. I like him much better in that starting five. And I do think the Pacers need to tinker around a bit. But for right now, Neesmith is just... I I know that 19-point performance, it it was great. You take that 19-point performance out, I mean, there's only a handful of games there with double-digit scoring. I mean, overall, from, from three... there's a lot left to be desired. This is a guy who was talked as a three point, you know, sniper shooter, whatever you want to call it now shooting about 32% on the year from three. So I think he's got to be moved to the bench, and I look forward to Chris Duarte coming back. Yeah, I mean Duarte, it feels like you know, feels like this guy left us uh, months ago. It hasn't been that long, but that it just feels like man, I, I want to see him develop. So I'd be curious if they go. I, I imagine they go back to Nemhard in the starting unit, but I also feel like having Duarte out there could help this Pacers team a lot on a night like tonight where just nobody had it going offensively.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a guy that you, you, you like the shooting touch from him. You saw it last year. You feel confident with it. But just real quick to kind of wrap up the Neesmith conversation, you, you're right, Focci. Over the last nine games, he had three games where he dropped zero points. And if you look at his plus minus for the nine games, you're thinking, okay, it's not bad. It's a plus five. But he was a plus 17 in the, in the first Orlando game and a plus 14 in the second Orlando game. If you do that, he's like a minus 20, I think 28 is what, 20 something. Wait a second uh, that'd be like a minus 26. Okay. So it's not been good for him. And he's been a negative on the plus minus besides those two games and the other game that he played and against the Denver. So besides those three games, he's been a minus, a minus in the plus minus category, or he's been at zero. So I just, I have not been liking what he's doing. I feel like when he's on the court, the offense looks clunky at times. I don't trust him to make any baskets. Uh, he travels a lot when he tries to drive. He's not like a great driver. So I understand why Boston gave up on him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I understand why he was out of their playoff rotation now, watching him play for 19 games. And, you know, it's still early. Maybe he turns it around. But so far right now, I'm just not feeling what he's doing, Futch. And unfortunately, I think there's too many guys on this team that have proven in a little bit of short time that they deserve those minutes more than he does.
1: That they have. And, and, you know, you want to see more, like I mentioned with Duarte, you want to see more with Nemhard for sure. You brought up a good point with O'Shea. I mean, O'Shea is a guy that is not blowing anyone away by any means. But hey, why not if, if you're making some changes? Obviously, the easy change to make would be Mather in the starting lineup. Clearly, Carl doesn't want to do that. It, it gets to a point where it's just, you know, there, there's we got to tinker around with some things. I think that O'Shea's not cracking. I mean, uh, Terry Taylor's not cracking that starting unit at any point soon. I don't see McConnell climbing into it. It's nice to see Kendall Brown getting a couple minutes over here, but you obviously know he's not going in the starting unit. So it just feels like if you're going to make a change and it's not going to be Matherin, it, it's going to be Nimhard going back there. Maybe you try O'Shea before Duarte gets back, but change will come at some point. And I don't even want to point the finger at Jalen by any means because he did have a career night. Tonight, But I, I'm not loving the Jalen Smith, Miles Turner, you know, pairing nope, this year. Nope. I'm really not. And and I don't think that look, you're not going to see Turner go to the bench. But in Jalen Smith, at some point, could he go to the bench? Yeah, it, it could happen. But on a night where he drops a career high of 23, we're not going to say that he was the problem tonight. So Man, the Pacers got some things to figure out. Uh, you know, one, one game they're hot, another game they're cold, but you gotta find consistency. And I think this is what you deal with with a young team really trying to find their way.
2: Yeah. I mean, great point on Jalen Smith. I was gonna bring that up too, especially if he struggled again tonight. Um, just been kind of sitting in the back of my head like, man, this has not been a great fit for him. But I think if you go look at a lot of the games when it's when it's been close, he's not been out there on the floor to close the games. Um no, Matherin's on playing the four a lot. They, they've they been running a lot of lineups of of Turner, Matherin, Buddy Hill, Tyrese Halliburton, and then it's been Nimhard, it's been Neesmith at times, it's been TJ McConnell at times, even O'Shea at times. So they've uh, they've got that four that I think they really trust in crunch time, and they just try to find the fifth guy that makes sense for what team they're playing. But yeah, just real quick on on the percentages here for O'Shea said from the field he's shooting 45% over the last nine games, and this is probably going to be a, a, a good to hear for for fans he's 40% from three over the last nine games compared to Neesmith's 30%. So even if you leave the good games in there, he's shooting 10% better from, from distance. And, you know, his plus minus over that stretch has been a plus 27 Faji. So, um, you know, you really like, like that from him, but obviously he was in uh, the lineup. That was getting killed tonight at the end. So I don't really count that game against him too much, but, yeah, I think O'Shea, even if it's a smaller minute rule, I would be okay with them giving him a chance in the starting lineup. But um, I'm tired of being negative. Are you ready to talk some positive basketball?
1: I'm ready to talk something positive. It's <laughs> hard to find some positives. We did our best, but let's move on to something that's actually positive.
2: All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk about this 128-117 to victory over the Brooklyn Nets that took place on Friday in Cambridge Fieldhouse the last home game before the seven game road trip so let's talk about that but we'll do that right after the break
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast
2: All right, Faji. So things were not looking good for the Pacers here in this game. It looked like they might be heading towards another loss, but they outscored the Brooklyn Nets forty to twenty-three in the fourth quarter behind Benedict Matherin's sixteen-point breakout quarter. This was a fun game, Fodge.
1: It really was, and I was I was skeptical coming into this against Brooklyn because I, you know, the way that we played against Minnesota, I said, "Hey, look." You know, Brooklyn, that's a team that you expect to see in the playoffs. You know, in the playoffs, not maybe we don't expect to see them directly, but, you know, fans expect to see them as a playoff team. And I, and I thought, hey, look, anytime you got Kevin Durant, you got Kyrie Irving, you know, you're going to have your hands full. I thought the Pacers did a great job rallying back another rough first quarter, outscored 35-23. But the way that they finish up in the fourth quarter and, and that the fact that the Pacers have been – The best fourth-quarter team in the league thus far. It showed in that comeback win. What better way to get the win than behind the Benedict Matherin? With the 16 points in the fourth, your rookie leading the way, fantastic.
2: Yeah, Buddy Hill in that quarter had seven points. McConnell had six. Turner had five. Halliburton had four. And then I think one of the guys that probably helped turn this entire run around once again against the Brooklyn Nets, former Net. James Johnson, he yep. had two points in that fourth quarter, but Focci, on that night, he was a positive plus-minus once again. He's been a positive plus-minus against the Nets, I believe, in every game this season. They mm-hmm. plus, let me see here, plus 12 in this game, and he only played 10 minutes. So James Johnson did some really nice things out there. Miles Turner was fantastic in this game. He was 9 of 11 from the field, and, and I think he had eight rebounds in this game. So, you know, a, a good did. performance from him. He was a plus-26. Buddy Heald broke out of his shooting slump, was 9 of fifteen, five of 8 from 3 for 26 points. He was a plus 21. And Halliburton, like we talked about, uh, off air a little bit, 21 points, 15 assists, zero turnovers once again. He had, before tonight, I think he had like the last four games, he had 14 plus assists in all those games. So, you know, Halliburton playing great. And then obviously McConnell played good off the bench. Uh, Matherin played great in that fourth quarter. So It was really just a great team win against a Brooklyn team that was shooting the ball well, but defensively, Brooklyn's got a lot of problems.
1: Oh, they really do. And, and, you know, just I want to tip my hat to James Johnson. You talked about it. It seems like we pretty much only play James Johnson when we're playing the Nets and it's worked. (laughs) So uh, awesome stuff, but Hey, he's been uh, nothing but a a class act right over here. So great uh, veteran performance, staying ready when called upon Uh, Halliburton, I mean, you mentioned it, 21 points, 15 assists. I mean, I, I read that. I think it's like the rest of the NBA has, in terms of, uh, you know, games like that, 15 assists or more. Whatever it is, he's racking them up. He's got three in his last, like, half a season, I think, that matches, like, the NBA close to it. So what he's doing right now, being the engine that makes this Pacers team run— It's, it's fantastic. And right now I I really do think he's making a killer all-star game case. Um, But, you know, this was a game that I was surprised that Ben Simmons had it going. I mean, as rough as Simmons had been eight of eight in the game, I mean, to see him score 20 points, which I believe is a season high, not great. But at the same point, the Pacers did enough to be able to get that win. Um, Overall, I mean, what was, what, what do you think really stood out most in this performance?
2: Yeah, so for me on this one, I just felt like there were so many mismatches the Pacers could attack with Seth Curry, Joe Harris, and Kyrie Irving out there on the perimeter. Um, we know Royce O'Neal is known for his defense, and um, he, he he's fine, but he's not like some lockdown defender. No. Kevin Durant had to carry this team once again. I mean, he nearly had a triple-double, 36 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists. He was unstoppable, but he healed, tried his best to guard him, you know. I give Buddy a lot of credit for playing 39 minutes in this game, probably having his best game of the season with 26 points on 5 of 8, shooting from 3, while guarding Kevin Durant. That's a that's a big task for him. It is. So I really you know thought that was good of him. But one thing that I was kind of disappointed with in the first half, and I tweeted about it, I did not like how the Pacers were not going to Benedict Matherin at all. It felt like they just constantly were running the offense on the opposite corner that he was on. And, and there was times when Seth Curry was on him and – I've seen Seth Curry play for a long time, and I know that we've been a fan of his shooting. That man can't guard a bucket of water. No. He's not a good defender. So I, I thought, man, you have one of your best drivers, if not your not if not you know one of your best, the best drivers on your team in Matherin, and he's got Joe Harris and Seth Curry on him. And we're not trying to get him the ball yet. We're trying to run pick and roll actions here with Kevin Durant guarding Buddy Heald and stuff like that. Like, why are we going out there better defenders instead of? attacking their weaker defenders. And they started doing that a little bit more in the second half. So I was really impressed with that. But overall, it's just like this felt like a game, and we talked about it after the Minnesota game. We can hang with Brooklyn. We know we can. They're an offensive-minded team. They like to get up a lot of points. I think uh, Jock Vaughn, their, uh, their coach, called out their defense and said Nick Claxton can't do it all. He can't be their only source of defense. And I thought uh, the chippiness was there between Claxton and Isaiah Jackson in the third, and then Claxton kind of body-checking Tyrese for no reason after he blocked his shot. So a lot of frustration from Brooklyn in that fourth quarter. They couldn't stop the Pacers. But I just thought it was a great team win overall. And uh, despite uh, another bad shooting night, I guess you could say, from Aaron e. Smith in that game, uh, and probably Jalen Smith like didn't play great, like what wasn't super impactful – they were all double-digit scoring in the starting five, and then you had Mather with twenty off the bench. You just that was a really balanced game.
1: It was like six players scoring in, du- in double figures. That's really going to be a winning recipe over here. But overall, I mean, the twenty-eight assists. I've always said you get near thirty. Hey, that's winning basketball right there. The shooting fifty percent from the field. It's it's great. But I think the way that the Pacers clawed back in this win was kind of the the biggest statement of you know they were it was an ugly performance against Minnesota and I felt like for the first half of this game it really wasn't great against Brooklyn but you know they 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 clawed back from they were down by as much as twelve in that game and to be able to you know to to make that comeback in the fourth quarter but not just make the comeback they won by eleven. Yeah. I mean it just showed that in the second half they handled business. And right now they've beat the Nets twice this year and the, the other game, you know, was they were in it. I mean, they lost 116 to 109 the game that I attended where it really came down to right at the end of the game. So, if you can hang with a team like like Brooklyn who, you know, they're they're paying some some superstar players. I mean, they got three max contracts on that team. It shows that the future's bright over here. You know, against the Clippers, look, it's a major letdown. It is. But there's going, there's going to be some of those games you lose that you should have won. And then there's going to be some games that you didn't expect to win. And I'm not saying that win over over Brooklyn was a, hey, we can't win this game because the Pacers definitely can. But I thought it was a, a good quality win at home before you embark on a seven-game road trip out west.
2: Yeah, I mean, those are all great points. And I think another point that we just kind of overlooked talking about this game was the free throw discrepancy, Fauci. 38 free throw attempts awesome. for the Pacers to just 10 for the Brooklyn Nets. And part of that is because Brooklyn is a jump shooting team. They don't, I mean, Kevin Durant can can get to the free throw line, but he's not a guy that's constantly driving, looking to get fouled. Uh, he's a guy that's going to rise above you and make shots in your face. You know, and I thought, you know, Mather did a good job of, of getting to the free throw line. I'm sure there's other players that did a good job of getting to the free throw line that, uh, you know, aren't coming to me off the top of my head, but, it was just one of those things where we were constantly getting free throws. Halliburton, 6 of 6. Mather in 6 of 9. Jalen Smith, 5 of 6. Neesmith and Turner were 3 of 4. Uh, Buddy was 3 of 3. So, you know, uh, T.J. McConnell, 2 of 2. Isaiah Jackson, 2 of 4, all from the free throw line. So we were getting to the foul line by putting pressure at the rim because, look, their rim protection was having to guard Miles Turner at the time and Nick Claxton. And the Pacers were doing a lot of, like, you know, pick and pop, pick and roll type of thing with Claxton and, and um, I forget whoever was guarding. I think it was Ben Simmons was guarding Tyrese for a little bit and, and trying to create that switch so that they could, you know, just put pressure on, on the Nets defenders. And it it just felt like the Nets defense was MIA, uh, especially in the fourth quarter. I'm sure they were a little bit tired. They've been on the road for a little bit now. So um, I, I think that was their, their third game on the road. So I'm, I'm sure they were ready to get back home and they did beat the, the trailblazers one eleven 11 to 97 after that game. So Yeah, this to me was just one of those games where we had everything clicking at the right time. Early on, it felt like we were going to get shot out of the game, but Pacers came back like they always do, it feels like, and when when games big, when they look like they're going to be losses uh, or very, very close. So I was impressed with this one, but just the resiliency, the connectivity from this team, they play for each other, and we've briefly talked about that, but they continue to showcase why they're a fun and connective team.
1: Oh, well, they are. I mean, I know. I know the Clippers lost. Look, it left an awful taste in my mouth. But just towards the end, I was like, "All right, get some of the younger guys in." Seeing Kendall Brown out there, I know he didn't score a basket or anything, but it gave you something to say. Look, the expectations are not so high like in previous years, where it's like, "How did you not beat this team without Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard?" It's like, look, the losses they're they're going to happen. But I think more more than anything, right now. The Pacers have surprised many many teams, and I, I wonder how long they'll continue to surprise teams. I, I think as the year goes on, you know more people are more you know opposing defenses are catching on to what the Pacers are doing. But for right now, I can't say that I'm disappointed by this team in any way, shape, or form.
2: I mean, just look at the standings across the board, Fachi. It feels like everybody's you know kind of looming around 500. You got the Hawks 11 8, the Pacers 11 and 8. Philly's ten and nine, Toronto's ten and nine, Washington ten and nine, Brooklyn ten and eleven, New York nine and ten, Miami nine and eleven, uh, Chicago eight and eleven. I mean, look at that. That's like three it's that's two games separating all those teams, Faji. So it's just a jumbled up mess right now. Excuse me. That's three games, not two games separating all those teams, It's a jumbled up match, a mess. Even if you go to the Western conference, like 11 and eight for the Pelicans, 11 and eight for the Grizzlies, 12 and nine for the Clippers, 10 and eight for the Kings, 11 and nine for the Blazers, 12 and 10. It's just like everybody is hovering around 500. We've had injuries. We've had wacky starts to the season with like the jazz getting super hot Indiana going hot in November when nobody expected it. I mean, that's why I'm saying, like, you know, you can usually tell what type of team, you know, uh, uh, you can tell what what style a team is or whatever. You want, what I'm trying to say here. Like, you can uh, figure out a team's identity 20 to 25 games into the season more than likely. But at the same time, the better talent's eventually going to start winning more games once they start getting that connectivity, start playing together more. And, and you know, the Pacers, they have the chemistry, which is good, but... On a night-to-night basis, I'm just not sure if they're going to have the talent to to get to the play-in game by the end of the season.
1: Yeah, I, I really don't know. We still have so much basketball to play uh, on about two games from now, so mid this upcoming week, Pacers will have played 25% of their games for the regular season, so hey, we're getting there. We're about to be a quarter of the way through, so we'll learn more about the team. But we don't have that full identity of if we're for real or if we just got off to that hot start. So it's going to take quite a few months to learn more about this team, but I'm just going to sit back, buckle up, and I'll be here for the ride.
2: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I know I've been rambling here a lot about random stuff, so don't want to keep doing that. I think this is a good opportunity, though, for the Pacers to figure out who they are. See how they adjust. I'll be interested to see how they adjust to this game against the Lakers. They really don't have to go anywhere. They're in the same arena. So how do they come out and perform on the third night and and third game in four nights, right? This is going to be a good opportunity for some of the guys that maybe have been involved in trade rumors to showcase themselves against the Lakers is going to be a, a talking point for sure across all NBA media. So, you know, you're hoping that, you know, these guys have good games just for their for their individual sake. Right. But yeah, I, I mean, if you look at this schedule, Fachi, no game should be more exciting than what's happening Wednesday night. I mean, this is probably the game of the season so far with the Pacers traveling to Sacramento to play the Kings. I mean, that game is going to be special. You've got, you know, buddy returning for the first time. Um, I don't know if you heard his post-game press conference yep, at the I table did. with miles and, He gave a very politically correct answer. Very professional answer. Miles goes, yeah, that's not how he really feels. (laughs) No,
1: No way. And you know that game means a lot to him. And he wants to shoot the ball lights out in that game. I don't blame him. Halliburton with the chip of the century on his shoulder as he wanted to carry that Sacramento franchise for years, so I mean, you got that Sabonis versus the Pacers. I mean, Sabonis story, versus Turner. What
2: are you talking about? Well,
1: well, yeah, but also against the Pacers. I mean, I I just feel like right, you could say Turner versus Sabonis. I mean, either way that you want to, you know, add, chalk it up. This game means a lot to many people.
2: Yeah, and and some uh, like these will be like underlying storylines, but like Matherin versus Keegan Murray. Right. I mean, I think that's important to Mather. I think he cares about that. And then another one. Rick Carlisle, Mike Brown, that connection right there once again, right? Brown coached under Rick Carlisle before he became the head coach of the Cavaliers. So a lot of, you know, connectivity here in terms of, I keep saying that word. That's just in my head. I'm sorry. Uh, Just a lot of different, you know, relationships, connections here that are going to make this game very impactful. But don't sleep on this Lakers game because I think it's going to be a fun one too. Uh, Lakers are playing really good. Russell Westbrook's been playing an awesome job off the bench. I think Kevin O'Connor pointed this out on on the ringer that he's like basically abandoned the mid-range jump shot. And so it's all threes are at the rim and he's playing better because of it. So uh, I think who who was it for the for the Spurs? It was Zach Collins that yeah, busted, busted him in the head? Yep, exactly. <laughs> so that so was Russ rough. is playing with like like a man on a mission and LeBron's back. A D's been playing awesome. I watched him play great against the Suns the other night on uh TNT. So this will be a fun one as well. I just I want to see the Pacers get that win more than anything against the Kings, though, just because I know how much it'll mean to Buddy and Tyrese Miles and and probably even Bennett Mather.
1: Absolutely, I mean we got a lot of great games ahead of us. I'm really excited. We're going to learn a lot about this team. But, whew, Alex, before we keep rambling anymore, <laughs> give us this the, the go home you know sign. What do we got?
2: Yeah, for sure. So just so you guys are aware, if you didn't see the reel, Bob Kravitz will be on with us Tuesday. Okay, so we're going to be able to talk with Bob about everything that's going on with the Pacers and, and his thoughts on that. But with that being said, Fachi, let us know where people can find us on social media.
1: Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace Three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube.
2: Go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. You can find all of our content there, as well as my Substack, stack, the uh, blueandgolden.substack.com. You can find that link in my Twitter bio. Subscribe to that. I will have a new article out soon. I have had to put that off a little bit, but flashy. If you're excited for the Indiana Pacers to give back to their winning ways, then say these three words.
1: Let's go, Pacers. Setting the pace, going to the top,
2: setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. we gonna need a
0: mop smooth.